I want you to think of a person right now who's like within your org, you don't have to name them and they're doing well and they're showing signs and you're thinking, Hey, maybe I should invest a little bit of my time into them and opportunity. What are those things that they're doing that are standing out to you? So it would be initiative, you know, they're, they're, uh, uh, I think the initiative is going to be the first part they, you know, you've got some people are very much heads down, tell me what to do and I'll do it. And they, those, I don't want to devalue that type of work at all because they're usually very good at that too. And that's just, that's what the, how they like to operate. But if we're talking about advancement, um, you know, primarily to a leadership role or managerial role or something like that. And I don't believe in just because you do a good job, you're therefore qualified as a manager. It's two totally different skill sets in most cases. Um, but for that person that you're, that you just described in that scenario, I would say the initiative has to be there from a, like, I am going to take this on. Now the, the initiative has a lot of different aspects to it. One of them is a nonconformist mindset. I'm not just going to follow the status quo. I'm not just going to follow the, the direction set. I'm going to challenge these, the conventional thought that's out there. Um, I personally love Socratic method people who think like that, that are very questioning of things. And they, they ask questions in a way that kind of lead them to, to a truth. And that to me shows initiative too. When you are honestly seeking truth in terms of like solutioning or designing or architecture, like these are the things I look for from people like that, that are moving on that. And that's an initiative um, based aspect for me, not just getting the job done autonomously. What would you credit your advancements between your, your roles? Was it relationships? Was it recruiters? How did you get a leg up? I think it's the constant curiosity and self uh, you know, the autodidactic nature of I've never um, set foot in a computer class. You know, I don't have a computer science degree, um, but I went from developer to CTO, I think just off of just being naturally curious about things and wanting to understand it's, a, it's an engineering mindset. You know, I, I don't think you become an engineer. I think you just naturally are an engineer and it's what you do with it is really what matters. And um, so I had that engineering mindset. I like to understand how things work. Can I break this and put it back together again? I do this stuff with, you know, just outside of technology too. And a lot of people are like that. And I think that credit is constantly keeping up with it, but that's what drew me to it in the first place because it changes so much. This is not a static. You're not a factory line worker stamping the same piece of metal as it walks across the, um, you know, the conveyor belt, you know, you're always having to learn, like learn what's coming out when cloud came about. Like I was all about that. I was just invested in this. Like, this is amazing. Um, nobody really knew what it was. It's kind of like web three. Now it was just kind of this ubiquitous term. What is cloud? Where is the cloud? How does the cloud work? But that's the, that's the part of being a technologist is that you have to keep up with it, um, in order to be good at it, but you should have a natural curiosity and love of that in order to, and it just kind of, it perpetuates. When I was first starting this, I was trying to figure out, you know, what's the recipe for a great leader. So we did yeah. all these interviews and we asked them all these questions, all these leadership related things. And we started tracking them in a spreadsheet. And I was trying to figure out like, what's that one formula? And I've, after 600 episodes, I've come up with the, the, the following, like one or two things. Uh, number one is everybody has something that like anchors them, some sort of system or something that, that they find very important that they do religiously and consistently. Um, so that's like one thing that I've seen. Uh, and then curious curiosity that's the other thing and then when to become better it's so like people would ask me all the time like well, how do i become a better tech leader and I, I would i used to answer like oh you know check out this book or check out this whatever resource material and then i realized after living so i'm interviewing these people i'm building my business i'm implementing their advice in my business and then sometimes it goes great sometimes it doesn't 
Uh, and what, what I end up finding out is that um, it's really, really difficult uh, to constantly improve yourself, but that's the answer. So like when people ask me now, how do, we, how do I become a better leader? I'm like, well, how many days do you work out? Uh, what's your diet look like? <laughs> because if you're constantly improving yourself and improving those areas of discipline, then that makes you a better leader because leaders are typically people, well, they're people that you want to follow. Uh, you're right. That's why that's why it's so interesting when people get up early. You notice how much respect someone gets if they wake up at 430 in the morning. But if you're in a different time zone, I mean, I'm, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not the act of it being 430 in the morning. It's the act of it's something difficult that you don't want to do and they can do it. And so having that realization, I was like, OK, cool. So all I have to do is do really difficult things for the rest of my life. <laughs> One of the, the one question well. I yeah. ask of everybody I interview for a leadership position, whether you're managing two people or 250 people, what is your definition of leadership? That's what I ask them. And I look for the one thing that I've taken away as my definition of leadership. And mine actually comes from my time in the Marine Corps. Um, I served under this three-star general at the time. His name was Charles Krulak, and he later became commandant of the Marine Corps. And he was a decorated Vietnam veteran, platoon commander, Purple Heart, Silver Star, you name it. His father was General Krulak, commandant of the Marine Corps during World War II. So we're talking about an organization that deals in life and death on every day. And then, you know, so leadership from this type of uh, individual is going to be well-received. He came to an event we were at, was just kind of, we were all very low rate, you know, E1s, E2s, E3s. And it's like, let me ask you something. What's your definition of leadership? He walked around and asked her and we were like, oh, you know, um, it's, you know, setting the example and it's, you know, the constant improvement, those things. Like, he nodded and he's like, look, all of the answers you gave, none of them are wrong. You know, I'm not looking for a right answer here because let me tell you mine just to help you out. And he goes, it is just this simple. Serve those in your charge. So what we now know of is servant leadership. And that has stuck with me to this day. And I, I evolve that all the time. So when I ask someone coming in for a managerial role, what's your definition of leadership? They're not going to give me a wrong answer. You know, they're going to give me a, a true, honest answer. But what I look for in leaders are people who actually serve those. You've got to be there for them. You need to be reliable. People don't follow people because of titles. They follow people because they believe in what they're actually after. You know, this is a Simon Sinek type, type of I love uh, that know, guy. Yeah, same, same. So that, that type of philosophy, like I could incorporate. Through. He did a study on the military, too, which was super interesting. But. Um, you know, that I think has, there's got to be that inherent trust there that I trust this person to look after my best interests, And therefore I'm going to make sure that I earn that trust every day. And I've got to earn their trust every day. That's just important to me. And trust goes laterally too. You can't have a good C-suite, um, without that, that trust. You know, I have to rely on the CMO, the, the, the CFO, CIO, CFO, uh, COO, all of them. There's a trust that's inherent across the board and top to bottom as well. Um, you've got the technical teams, the trust between the users, the trust between the C-suite, like I mentioned, board members, investors, and CTOs, I think, need to be highly attuned to that audience so that they can you know, talk about what they're doing and build that trust in a way that's not ivory tower or siloed or, you know. Um, so anyway, I went on a little bit of a, a long tirade there. But you under, I think it, that's the to me, that's imperative to a well-functioning, uh, not only leadership body, but um, a leadership individual. All right, let's go back to Napster. So I, when I found out we had a date booked to talk, I was like, oh, I got to do my research. So I went and signed up for a Napster account. Great. So thank you for making it easy to, to sign up quickly and all of that. Uh, and then my first thought was, this is a blue Spotify. 
<laughs> the interface is blue, right? And I was like, this is Spotify, but it was like slightly different. And I didn't dig deep enough into it. Uh, so because I don't, I'm not a power user of Spotify. So I wouldn't be able to like, you know, compare the granular features. So I figured I'd just ask, you know, Brandon, what, what's the big differences between Spotify and Pandora? That's a great question. Yeah. First thing you know, it's important to know the missions are different. You know, um, Spotify is look, you can go and watch the um, I think it's called the playlist on Netflix, which talks about their history. It's very interesting. I watched it myself, um, but we're really about bringing the artists and fans together. And so that that artist focus and the fan focus, you know, is really what we're uh, what we're, we're zeroing in on. This isn't to take anything away from, you know, Spotify or YouTube music or iTunes. Um, but we're very invested in that particular piece. And, you know, um, I, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube music, they're not really my North stars in terms of like what I look at from a like what's going to be the Napster of the future. I, I don't want to be strictly beholden to just playing piggyback. First of all, we don't have the resources to match those. Secondly, what the streaming uh, platforms, all of them do, including us, is um they create a very isolated experience and so i mean in in spotify you can go in and you can have a friend and you can see what they're listening to and possibly even listen along uh but there's no real room for collaboration like hey you know you, i'll share a playlist with you but let's make one together let's have a jukebox party at the house we bring some fans and fr friends over we can sit around and add music to it individually from our own phones and just create uh you know our, a working group playlist things like that so we want to explore that more not only from the user experience side but also from the artist experience side one of the things with the reports that you may have seen out there is that um, how much um, royalties are actually given back to the artists in, in the forms of their royalty payments. You know, it's, Napster's been, you know, noted as higher. Now, I, I will caveat to say that that's based on a very limited test set or um, sample set of, of data. It's not always going to be the case because each contract is very different per the labels, per the artist. It's just not quite something you can zero in and say uh, Napster pays their artists more than anybody else. Um, but the, um, you know, where we're looking at with the web three aspect where we're bringing in, you know, what Algorand is trying to do is to kind of introduce, uh, you know, open up multiple segments that fulfill a largely untapped market. And this is really three areas, the community building, which I talked about, uh, because look, we can start to build organic communities around, um, the genres that you're interested in, the subgenres, the the artists themselves, the the music festivals that you attend, you know, we can start to gather this information and give a more curated experience around that. Um, the second is going to be music distribution via NFTs, which I can talk about in a bit. And the third would be the royalty reporting, which is a big problem in the industry that every every one of the DSPs and and um, you know anybody who does music distribution shares. But from a user experience side, coming back to your question, it's just a blue Spotify. It's a fair point. You know, we did we had to make a, this major relaunch, uh, what we called N21, which was uh, launched uh, earlier this year. And uh, a lot of that was a couple years of uh, culminating um, updates to the user experience and the platform itself, the back end, the front end, all of that. We did, a, you know, almost a complete revamp. It of looks a lot great. Of, it looks yeah. great, by the way. Yeah. 
Thanks. And it's, uh, but yeah, once we launched it, it's like we were still trying to play piggyback. So we can't keep looking at that. Look, we want the behavior to be familiar. We don't want it to be something like I've got to learn an entirely new thing of like, where do I get to my playlist? And they call it a library and we're calling it my music. And, you know, all these differences just confuse people, confuse people because they have a much larger uh, audience than we do. And we don't want to make it difficult for them if they want to choose to use our platform. So um, hopefully that that answers your question, at least in a bit of a roundabout way, because it's, you know, it's it's not that we looked at it and go, hmm, let's just do this. Let's just do that. It kind of like user experience and behavior patterns all seem to kind of align when it gets my playlist as quickly as possible. I want to search and find music based on, you know, metadata that 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 is uh, common and easy to categorize and find information on and then cur curate my own list of that and mark my favorites and then just go back and listen to it at, at will. 